He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org, covering golf in this state better than anyone else. Big day, 73rd Hole, the last major championship of the season. I think we got 262 more days until they tee it up in another major championship, and it was an epic come-from-behind win by Cameron Spit. Cameron Smith comes home in 30, six under 30 on the back nine for Cam Smith. Birdies 10 through 14, knocks another one in at 18. Uh, Sam, it was an unbelievable performance by Cam Smith, uh, coupled with a whole bunch of pars from Rory McIlroy, and it wound up being a pretty exciting back nine at the Open. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Champion golf of the year, Cam Smith. Cam Smith, what a, oh my gosh, <laughs> what a performance by my man Cam Smith. The up and down at 17, short left to 17 was world class, becomes the 12th Aussie to win a major, fifth at the Open Championship, and Woody or T-Dub, whichever one wants to go, T-Dub, I'll ask you first, I was just over the moon that Cam Smith sent the premature coronation of Rory McIlroy into oblivion on that back nine. Well, guys, you know, obviously the fact that we were at the PJ Championship all of this week, or all that week, I will say that this is probably the, my favorite golf tournament to watch all year. It was absolutely awesome. You had so many storylines going on. It was kind of the, the first tournament that we had the, uh, you know, the live versus um, PJ Tour guys. For the first time it actually kind of came to fruition a little bit with some of the rumors and obviously Dustin Johnson being up there as well. So absolutely great tournament to watch. You guys were really spot on with, you know, watching the golf channel. I felt like Rory McIlroy was the only one that was even playing this golf tournament on, on Saturday afternoon. But I will say this, too. I, I felt like ever since then and even going into uh, when Cam Smith made those birdies, Woody, I, I thought Rory was going to win this tournament. It just seemed like so many things lined up for him. It was, it was potentially Tiger's last time to play at St. Andrews. I don't think it will be, but the stage was set there with him giving the uh, tip of the cap to him. And, and just so many things lined up for Rory to get this win, Woody. But just all those pars and really playing a little bit conservative on the back nine allowed Cam Smith 30 to go out and just win that son of a gun. I thought – I thought I can't remember which one of you had the one way or the other, but when somebody was already given a pizza up at, like, number nine, somebody had already given it to Rory. Um, <laughs> well, and no, no, I, I, said, I, now, I, I still have to whoa. pay off that pizza, by the way. It, it's because no I had Xander versus Rory straight up versus T-Dub. I oh. do owe him a pepperoni That's pizza. That's right. I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah, because, you know, I thought I thought this golf tournament was far from over, and uh, I don't know. I, as I sit there and I watch that Cam Smith putt, I mean, I'm so jealous. I, I, I can't even believe anybody can putt that good. Where does all he rank time, all time seems like. on the greens, Woody? Oh, shoot. He's fast becoming one of those guys that he's in the top two or three. And uh, you know what I like the most about his putting guys is that he doesn't make everything every day. He really doesn't. I mean, you know, you look at Saturday's round, he didn't make much at all on Saturday. But – he never panics. He never changes anything. Uh, you know, I think whenever he doesn't putt good, he's more surprised than anybody because <laughs> he thinks he's going to putt good every day. So, 
the fact that he holds together his imagination, the shot he hit on 17, putting the golf ball up around that road hole bunker was so smart. I mean, instead of trying to flop something, who knows what could happen then. And uh, that flat stick of his, good Lord, and, and as long as he keeps that going, guys, this isn't his last major, I promise. It went again. Woody, Cam Smith said a lot of interesting things that we'll get into after the round. Um, but I thought one of the most interesting things he said about his putting was that after Saturday night's round, he just went over to the putting green and spent five minutes and just wanted to see the ball go in the hole. From a teaching perspective, we don't hear many guys do that in this day and age. Just not technical thoughts, just want to see the ball go in the hole. From a teacher's perspective, what did you see him mean by that? Well, I, I think that putting is more confidence than any part of the golf game. I, I truly believe that. If, if I was once told, don't ever let yourself say you're a bad putter or a mediocre putter or anything like that, because the second it comes out of your mouth, that's what you are. Uh, even if you're a bad putter, you tell everybody you're a great putter. Everything you do in putting is to build your confidence, is to make you, even if you have to bluff your way there, I don't care. Do not let anything negative. And so basically, he hit a lot of good putts on Saturday that didn't go in. They were right around the hole all day long. I think he just wanted to go over there and see the ball going in the hole. It's nothing more than confidence. And putting is about 99.9% confidence and about 0.1% technique. I swear to you, I truly believe that. 100%. Woody almost gains three three shots on the greens in round four, just to follow that up. Woody, Woody, kind of on the technical side that you're just mentioning there, I'm sitting here watching the replay, and on the putt he made on 17, you know, Azinger kept bringing it up during, during the broadcast that he would stare at the hole a long time, um, you know, right before he made his last stroke, not making any practice putts. And I remember getting uh, getting putting lessons from old, old Biv, Andy Dillard, back in the day. He would say to to do the same thing, to to look at the hole, honestly, for, for a decent amount of time because if you look really quick, you tend to rush everything. So what what do you notice from Cam Smith? Because I counted there, and it was about four and a half seconds on that putt on 17 that he just kind of stared at his line down the hole. So what are your thoughts on that? He has said over and over again, that's one thing that he really truly believes. The reason he stares down the hole is he's seeing the ball go in the hole. He's just trying to get until, you know, Nicholas was the best I ever saw at any, anything as far as confidence and, and concentration. He could stand over a putt longer than anybody I'd ever seen, and he wasn't going to hit it till he saw it going in the hole, okay? Man, you know how much patience that takes and how much discipline that takes? So I, if I looked at it as long as Nicholas did, I would have I would have whiffed it. I, I I I couldn't do it. But Cam Smith, he'll look anywhere from, and you can you're right, T Dub. You can time it. It's anywhere from two, three, four, five, maybe even six seconds if it's a long putt. He's he's staring down, and in his mind, he's seeing again the ball going in the hole. For our listeners out there, quit worrying about technique. Learn how to get the right speed and start believing you're a good putter. Actually, every putt you hit, think you're going to make, and you walk off the green thinking you're a good putter. 
I can't guarantee it, but I promise you, you'll be a better putter if you keep that kind of confidence. Yeah, and Sam mentioned some of the strokes gained. So Cam Smith uh, yesterday was 3.1. Rory McIlroy lost nearly 2.2. So five-shot difference just on the greens. Five-shot difference just on the greens resulted in a six-shot difference on the scoreboard, which makes sense. Uh, Cam Smith on the week. 11.98 strokes gained putting for the week. That was 1.6 more than any other player in the field. And you mentioned, you know, three out of four days, he kind of made everything. Saturday, he made 50 feet of putts. And that was on the heels of what he did Friday. Friday, he made 253 putts, which was an unofficial PGA Tour record because we don't have shot link at the Open. So it's an unofficial record, but 253 feet of putts on Friday. Couple that with what he did on Sunday. And Sam, I don't know about you, but I thought where things really changed was the 30-ish footer that Cam made on 11. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, what were they doing? They were birdying the holes that they were supposed to. Even Rory at that point. Rory birdied five, Rory birdied 10. You know, they both missed kind of a mid-ranger on nine. But 11 was the first hole that Cam birdied that he wasn't supposed to. That wasn't one of the easy ones where you knock it greenside under regulation and you just have to get it up and in in two. He does it at 11. 11, and he does it at 13. So those were the two birdies he wasn't supposed to get. 10, 12, and 14 were supposed to happen, but I thought 11 and 13 were kind of the game changers because those are the ones that you're not supposed to get. You're just supposed to get out of those holes with par, and he made birdies on both of them. So 11 and 13 to me were big, 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 big birdies well, for Cam Smith. Yeah, 100%. And what were the easiest holes on St. Andrews? 9, 10, 12, and 18 were the drivable par fours, yep. or close to drivable at certain times. And then 5 and 14 were and both reachable. 5 and 14 were both reachable. So let's look at Cam Smith. 5, he makes birdie. And then 10, he makes birdie. 12, he makes birdie. 14, he makes birdie. And 18, he makes birdie. So Rory McIlroy only birdies five and ten out of those holes he only played them two under I think that's the difference in the golf tournament right there yeah and, and you look at look at how the holes played yesterday guys so holes three five six seven eight nine ten twelve fourteen fifteen sixteen and eighteen all played under par yesterday and, and, and just like Sam said Rory birdie two of them and I think really the biggest one uh, for Rory did not capitalize on were were nine which was playing point three one stroke under par and he could have gotten up and down very easily from that right side didn't do that did make the birdie on 10 but but on 12 as well didn't didn't hit a very good um very good chip shot there left it about 10 12 feet short something like that and then really guys the approach shot into 14 i i, I thought was very lackluster you could tell he's trying to draw it in there and get it to run which I, I i don't know maybe it sets up for that but but if the ball lands and it goes left of that pin it could potentially go down into those bunkers. So I'm not really sure I like that play. I would well, And you can't be short, Taylor. You can't be short at 14 to that pin. No, absolutely not. That's what uh, that's what Cam Smith was able to do, is able to put it on that backside uh, of the green in, in the back uh, fringe, whatever you want to call it, and uh, was able to hit a putt up there to two feet and tap it in. For Rory, the best he could do is hit his next putt to, to 12 or 15 feet, and he just wasn't able to make any of those yesterday. And so, I, I don't know. I, down the stretch, everyone's going to talk about his putting because he didn't make any of those eight to 15 footers guys but but I think that in particular the iron shots and some of the wedge shots he had coming in you know even for example one that we're not even going to look back on was hole number seven where he, he had only like 85 or 90 yards but he's in a divot the old tiger-esque and ends up short of the hill and, and rolls back so that was a birdie opportunity that he could have had maybe a little bad luck going on there so I don't know what he, everyone's going to focus on the putter but to me I look at some of the approach shots that come down the stretch that may have cost Rory. 
I think this is going to amaze you, T-Dub, but you said something the last time we were on. And I went back and I did a little homework, which I don't do. So you guys should be proud of me. Uh, but when you told me he hurt his ankle before the 15 British Open, he didn't get to play and he was a favorite. And I thought, you know, I kind of remember that, but I didn't really remember it. So I went back and I looked. You guys realize the role he was on at that time, right? That's when oh, yeah. he, he was legendary. winning majors. And, I mean, his confidence was over the top. Isn't that ironic that that week, I if he got to play, if he hadn't been out playing soccer, and he wins that, we're probably talking a different Rory than what we're talking right now. It, it, it's almost like he busted his own bubble or he lost something. I don't know what it is, guys, but it's been too many years. It's been too many years since he's won a major. Something's going on. Uh, and whether he wins another one, it'd be almost impossible to think he wouldn't. I, I know what you guys are thinking, but I've seen crazier things happen in golf. I mean, he might be done. He might be done winning majors. Uh, who knows? But it wouldn't shock me if he was. I'll just tell you guys that right now. Well, what he needs to do is get a Groove It Brush on his bag so that he can start hitting it a little bit better on the back nine on Sundays. GrooveItBrush.com. Rory, if you're listening, that's promo code 73rd hole. 73rd hole for 10% off. Uh, quite possibly the finest golf club cleaner ever made. Water goes right in the brush. Magnets on your bag. It will make your life better. Cleaner clubs, uh, longer distances, better shots. GrooveItBrush.com. Promo code 73rd hole for 10% off. Taylor, I wanted to get your thoughts on something I brought up on the radio yesterday. I thought that Rory's second shot into 16, nobody's going to remember it. Nobody's going to remember it in the history of this tournament. But I thought that it was emblematic of what Rory was dealing with mentally late in that round yesterday, feeling like he had it, and then, oh no, all of a sudden it's slipping away. Rory McIlroy on 16 hits a good tee shot. He's up there 103 yards in. He pulls out a wedge, and where does it wind up? 40 feet long left, and I thought you could visibly see with the naked eye Rory McIlroy shut his body down and throw his arms at that wedge on 16. That that shot will not be remembered because it's not flashy, it's not sexy, it was just a wedge to 40 feet, but that's another chance that he had to throw a wedge in close and make a birdie and win the golf tournament. And Taylor, I thought that the fundamentals of his golf swing broke down there. I thought he totally quit with his legs and he just threw his arms at the golf ball. Were you seeing any of that kind of from Rory on the back nine? Well, I think I think one thing on that shot in particular, Colby, was watching the drive and where it rolled to. It looked like it was going to stop on the left side of the fairway in the crosswalk, and all of a sudden it just kept drifting a little more to the mm-hmm. left, to the left, to the left. So all of a sudden it's still – the ball is still in the crosswalk, but it's not in the fairway. So he's, it's not in the ground-end repair area, so he wasn't going to be able to take the drop. So I think that what happened was, was that the lie was extremely, extremely tight. And, and okay. what's going to happen there is, is, is that especially on the 70th hole of a major championship, you're not going to want to come up and out of it, which, I mean, it's a wedge. It doesn't happen that often, but yet that's still the fear because if you thin it just a little bit, it's either going to go up, land short, and spin off the green, or you're going to catch it a little too hard and you're going to go over the back. So I, I think that him throwing the hands at it was just really to make sure that he was able to make crisp contact, make ball first. But what happened was was that the face shut down. Uh, like you said, he ended up pulling it left. And it's a testament, too, because the, the left side of that hole is not where you wanted to be. Um, you know, Cam Smith was on the right side and Ape was able to have a decent putt. He had a phenomenal shot into that hole. But yeah, I definitely think that I think that the lie in particular, there's all kinds of tight lies out there, but I think that one in particular, Colby, was extremely tight and uh, Roy definitely did not handle it very well. And 
you know, we talk about this all the time, right? I mean, if it's Rory's wedges that, that uh, have been his plague over the last couple of years, and I think that that really showed in that 70th hole call. Woody, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because we talked about it on the radio show yesterday. But to me, Rory McIlroy had this tournament in the palm of his hand more than any major maybe ever. And maybe congressional, obviously, where he runs away with it. He runs away with all his major wins, basically. But this course set up so perfect for Rory McIlroy. When Cam Smith was putting pressure on Rory McIlroy, all Rory McIlroy had to do was go birdie drivable par fours, Woody. And to me, he missed seven or eight opportunities to make a statement like the golf media so desperately wanted him to do. And to me, Woody, he let the golf tournament slip away and call it a choke or call it he just didn't have it that day. Either way, Rory comes up small on the weekend in a major again. Why? I wish I could tell you, and I'd call him and try to tell him. But the only thing I see, I've seen a number of things with him over these last few years where he's trying to close out a major. One is focus. He doesn't. Honestly, sometimes I just don't see him that focused on what he's trying to achieve. Tiger Woods would have a plan. And let me tell you something. He knew what that plan was, and he he went out and made it happen. If somebody made him adjust his plan and make him, say, make more birdies, he had a way of being able to do it. Uh, most cases, the guys that are the best at winning majors, is they let every other other people fail in front of them, and then they sneak in. In Rory's case, he's the one that can't close them out. And Sam, you are spot on. We can make excuses. We can say a lot of things about Rory McIlroy, but how he didn't birdie some of those easy par fours he's right there in front of the green or right by the green is why he's not holding the Claret Jug. And Cam Smith, was able to have that five birdie run, which changed the whole atmosphere of that tournament because up until when Kim went crazy, he was able to just kind of play along one, two under, and he was going to be okay. And then all of a sudden he wasn't. Tiger was able to always flip a switch and say, oh, you think you're going to catch me? No, you're not. And he just ding him right upside the head and more run right by him. So would Jack Nicholas. Roy has not shown that. And uh, he's not getting younger. And there's a lot of scar tissue going on here, guys. The more times you're right there, everybody says, well, yeah, well, he's right there. He keeps learning. He keeps learning. He's already won five, six majors, hasn't he? He already uh, four, won four. 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 He's won four. Okay, well, he's, he's already won four majors. He should know how to do it, guys. And he's not doing it anymore. And I don't, I don't know. Like I said earlier, I don't know if he's going to win another one. He got so much scar tissue. I don't know, boys. Colby, I, I got to ask you this question. Hit me. Because we didn't have much time to talk about it on the podcast last night. I mean, on the radio show last night. To me, throughout the week, I've never heard more biased takes than what I heard from the Golf Channel, NBC, toward Rory McIlroy. The fans were so for Rory McIlroy even that they were cheering when Victor Hovland, of all people, was missing putts. These People want Rory McIlroy to succeed so bad because he is the face of the PGA Tour and has been so outspoken about the whole live PGA Tour situation. To me, I think coming down the stretch, 
Rory could not live up to that pressure of being the face of the PGA Tour. I, I think it is definitely added pressure for Rory. I, I think that he felt yesterday afternoon like he was carrying the weight of, of his golfing world, not the golfing world, right? right? The golfing world exists in several different, you there's know, There's two main lines. golfing worlds yeah, right I now. Mean, there, there's, yeah. there's different timelines, different universes in which the golf world exists right now. <laughs> yep. But Rory had his entire golf world on his shoulders yesterday on the back nine. And yeah, I, yeah, I think he felt it. Yeah. But to me, he's had trouble closing out majors before this ever happened, right? And yeah. so and you're now, saying now with the added pressure. With the added pressure, and I know that you might think that you know, whatever Rory's saying is correct, and he believes it. And I I believe that he believes everything that he's saying, whether he's getting paid by the PGA Tour or not. My point is, Rory had... It, it, I could visibly see the pressure. We, we'll talk about Victor Hovland. I, I visibly saw the pressure on him just being in that situation for the first time in a major. But for Rory to look like he had a thousand bricks on his shoulders, being the veteran that he is... It just shows the toll that all of this off the course has taken on him. To yeah, me. And, and he's played great golf since he started doing it, right? I mean, he started kind of what, at, at Riv and then a little bit more before the Masters and then really once Liv started, uh, did I say Liv or Riv? Riv, Riviera. <laughs> uh, at Riviera, he, he said some stuff, you know, dead in the water, realized it wasn't, came back. But, you know, second at the Masters, fifth, eight, T18, T1, T, or, or one, T5, T19, and three, those are his finishes. And, you know, he competed in four majors this year. Kyle Porter tweeted out he beat 97.5% of the field, but he didn't hoist any trophies. He didn't really and, contend. Uh, no, he didn't really contend at, at the others, no. At, at the Masters, it was a 64 charge, wasn't going to beat Scotty. Uh, PGA, he started eight, off hot. Started off hot, yeah. kind of faltered. Led after the first round, yeah. Yeah. PGA. Yep, led after the first round. U.S. Open finished T5. Uh, backdoor. Had, a, had another good Thursday and then ended up backdooring it on Sunday. So, played well, but, uh, I mean, yeah, no trophies. I, I think yesterday you saw it more so than any other, though. It was St. Andrews. It was the 150th Open. You had that the, the hat tip to, to Tiger on Friday. It felt like a ceremonial passing of the torch. And, yeah, when, and when it was time to make some birdies on Sunday, he didn't do it. By the way, I know that it's just coming out to the public that Cam Smith is probably going to live, but you have to believe that Rory McIlroy knew that this was live versus PGA Tour on that back nine. Um, I don't know. I mean, Cam's definitely not going before the end of the FedEx Cup. So, I don't know. That's another six weeks. I so mean, what were you going to say, Tyler? The rumors today, uh, the rumors today were ninety million. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, and there have been a, been a lot of other guys rumored as well. You know, Hideki we'll get into Tyler that stuff, but but just as far as and, and the I pressure, guess, yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But one thing I wanted to add to one of Sam's points that he made last week about the guys from Great Britain have only what was it like six? It was eight eight times since nineteen sixty they've mm-hmm. won yep. the British Open. Well. Remember, guys, it wasn't not too long ago. It was right before the Olympics came up where there was a big debate on Rory McIlroy. Is he going to play for Northern Ireland or Great Britain? Um, you know, because he played for Great Britain most of his junior career. So I think that he was even thrown into that group of wanting to win the pressure of, because there's a difference between winning just an open, which already has enough pressure in itself, as the stat, as stat alludes to. But to win one at St. Andrews, the home of golf, like Colby just mentioned, too, is everything that Tiger's going on. And the media circus, um, maybe not necessarily a circus, but definitely just the favoritism um, that was shown to said Rory. It uh, definitely has a lot of pressure, and it, it took on to him because you, you could even tell, like Colby mentioned, the shot on 16 and some other swings down the stretch were definitely not uh, not Rory yet by any stretch, Sam. What do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, you know, I, 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 I almost feel a little bit of 
uh, sympathy for him because he's got himself, and it's self-inflicted. Let me just tell you guys this. He got himself into this bandwagon where he's going to be the voice of the PGA Tour. He he was the one that was spouting off, he and JT. They're the ones being the most vocal. So, you know, sometimes what we say about that rabid dog, well, he, he's got one that's right in his yard, and he never knows when to pet it because every time he thinks he wants to pet it, it bites him. And it seems like that's what's been going on with him trying to win majors. He starts out good, and then he falls apart, or he starts out bad, and he comes roaring back. But bottom line is, you said it best, guys. Has he hoisted a trophy in a long time as far as major goes? No. And I, I'm, I don't know. I, it was, it was fun to watch Cam Smith come out of nowhere, like you said earlier, Sam. That they'd already kind of, it was almost a given. Rory was going to win this thing, and when all the dust settles, guys, he didn't. And uh, now we got to wait two hundred and some odd, sixty some odd days. What did you say? And uh, before we play the Masters, and now the pressure's going to be even more great because Liv's going to go. It's going to grow. Lots of things are going to happen between now and the Masters. That's his one tournament he's got to win to what? Win the Grand Slam? I don't know. I just feel bad for the guy. I think there's just so much pressure on him right now. I don't see him achieving anything. And, Colby, in sports, the word choke is used a lot, right? And and most of the time it's used in the wrong sense. To me – when a guy like Rory McIlroy, he is the face of the PGA Tour, goes out there and has 36 putts. He two putts every single hole to finish tie or finish solo third in a major that he had in the palm of his hand. Do you think that it was a choke or the term that I like to coin, the sneaky choke? See, I, I don't think it's a choke because when I think choke, I think – it's like it's it's all yours unless you just have a disastrous like screw up. Uh, John Vandeveld, that was a choke. Adam Scott, four straight bogeys to, yeah. to close. That was a choke. To me, Rory didn't choke. He just didn't do anything. He just, I mean, he just kept hitting it twenty feet. You know, knocking it up right next to the cup and tapping it in. I just you could I, say I, there that. wasn't a collapse. You know what I mean? But at St Andrews, making par on those on certain holes is like making a bogey on a normal course, right? I yeah, mean, I mean, it, not, it was a par gimme birdies. It was though. a par sixty seven for Rory, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, Taylor, what do you think about choke, sneaky choke, or or just kind of lackluster? Well, I mean, yes, some of the holes that he had back there were were not the best pars in the world. But like I said, Kobe's right. They're not dead giveaways. So like number nine, it played at 3.7. So, I mean, that majority of the time, the guys are making more bogeys or like even Cameron Young, who I think cost himself this tournament even more than Rory did. He bogeys number nine. So he's yes. losing all kinds of strokes to that field. So, and you know, I think one thing about Rory is, is that he's kind of getting into a Greg Norman major-esque type thing, which is kind of funny because he slammed <laughs> Greg Norman a few weeks ago. But, you know, like we think about Greg Norman, right? And it sometimes he choked it off. Obviously, the '96 Masters and, and a lot of other terms. But there was times like the Bob Quay hole out of the bunker and the Larry Mize chip in, where he just got beat. And it was just funny that he's on he's on both sides of that. I think Rory's kind of in, in that same boat because I don't know, guys. I think whenever we look back on this tournament in five, ten, twenty, thirty years, however long it is, me personally, I'm going to remember it more for what Cam Smith did on the back nine, in particular ten through fourteen, and that putt on 17 more so than I am Rory not not going out there and losing him. Because, like I said, Col- I think Colby's right in the sense of 
he didn't really do anything in particular. He didn't have the, the Vanderbilt collapse. He didn't have the, the Francesco Molinari, the 2019 Masters, hitting the water on 12 and 15. There's nothing really to stick out like that. So, so for me, it was Cam Smith going out and taking the trophy from Rory's hands as opposed to Rory handing it to Cam Smith like we saw some of those other examples that I just mentioned. Right, and, and it's not like he went out and lost, you know, four and a half shots on the greens like Scotty Scheffler did. It's not like he played horrible. It was just, it seemed like he was going to run away with it, and then all of a sudden he didn't. Yeah, it almost seemed to me like starting the day, he goes out playing with Victor Hovland, right? And it's like, okay, probably a two-horse race. We're four clear, so I just need to keep pace with Hovland and stuff. And so, Rory's not taking any risks. They were trying to treat it like the duel in the sun beforehand. uh, They didn't even show Cam Smith on the intro video. Yeah, no, they were, were, it was Rory and Hovland, two-man show. I mean, they're four clear of the field. I I think most people probably expected one of those two guys to win. Cam Smith was plus 1,200 before the uh, round started. Yeah, I mean, everybody knew it was going to take something really special from one of those guys, and Rory or Hovland were not going to have to do anything special and all those things kind of happened I think Rory just kind of maybe thought he had to beat Hovland uh he was making a bunch of pars and then once Cam started coming he was like oh I have to kick it into gear well you can't just be on the 11th tee box and decide oh I have to kick it into gear you got to be in gear from the jump and there's something to be said for good mojo and bad mojo in certain groups and Rory and Hovland had the bad mojo yeah and and then the cams had the good mojo yeah and it was totally different from Saturday Saturday was 66-66 for Hovland Rory in the penultimate pairing, 71-73 for Young and Smith in the final group. And then Sunday was 74-70 for Hovland and Rory in the final group. And uh, the Cams went 64-65 in the penultimate pairing. Guys, while we do this, why don't we take a break? Let's come back on the other side. We're going to talk about St. Andrews hosting the major championship. How did uh, St. Andrews hold up throughout the week? We'll talk about that. Uh, We'll talk about some live rumors. We'll talk about uh, everything else there is to talk about. There's more to talk about from the Open. Tiger, will he play at St. Andrews again? Uh, What do we think of uh, obviously his not so stellar performance. We'll figure out how many beers fit in the claret jug. We'll try to figure out how many beers fit in the claret jug. All that good stuff coming up on the other side. Stay with us on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. We're back rolling along here on the 73rd hole on the final post-major Monday of the year. It's, you know, love the Open Championship. I actually like now that the Open Championship is the final major of the year. It just feels more, I don't know, historic, whatever, than the PGA does. Maybe it's just because we were at St. Andrews. I don't know. But I like the Open being the last major of the year. But, man, whenever you're done with majors on, what is today, July 18th, 
Whew, that's a long wait before we tee it up at the Masters. But uh, I thought it was an unbelievable week at St. Andrews. I think St. Andrews is an absolute masterpiece. Sam, maybe. What, let's do what's in the bag for Cam Smith. Before, right, because yeah, let's do St. What's in Andrews the bag. will be a long discussion. I All feel right, like. let's do what's in the bag. Taylor, what, uh, what we got? What, what Cam Smith used to win his first major? So, guys, you know, Cam Smith and be rocking mostly Tideless. So, he's got the new uh, Tideless TSR2 driver in the bag at 10.75. Degrees off is quite a bit of loss for um, for going over to the old course. So interesting to see there. Um, TSI two uh, three wood as well. The only Tyler's club he does not have in the bag is a Mizuno Pro Fly High three iron. Shout out to Mizuno, my in my opinion, the best iron made out there. Uh, Tyler's T one hundred five through nine iron in the black finish. I don't know about you guys, but I prefer black finish clubs as well. I think they look uh, pretty sick. He's got the uh, Boki SM nine uh, wedges forty six fifty two fifty six. Degrees of bounce guys a wedge works um, prototype a jet black uh, lob wedge sixty degrees and then the ultimate question guys what putter does Cameron Smith have he has a Scotty Cameron zero zero nine M prototype so unfortunately can't go over to your local golf shop and get his putter but you can get one pretty similar along with the Pro V One X golf ball so definitely good stuff and one of my favorite parts is he's got the uh, the KBS black uh, shaft in his wedges some of the sickest shafts out there in the game, guys. Yeah, the putter is what it's all about for Cam Smith. It's all about the putter, uh, and obviously he was great with it at St. Andrews this week. You know what else is great? Our friends at Quail Creek Bank. If you're a small business owner looking for a bank that understands your unique financial needs, if you want to develop a relationship with a banker who knows you and your family by name, that is the mission at Quail Creek Bank. They're a family. They consider their customers part of that family as well. Go experience the difference. Quail Creek Bank, 122nd and North May here in Oklahoma City, 405 122nd North May here in Oklahoma City. Go see our good friends at Quail Creek Bank. All right, let's dive into St. Andrews uh, a little bit. Obviously, most of the guys lit it up. Uh, 20 players, I think it was, got to double digits under par. Cam Smith ends up winning with the Sunday 64. Shoots two 64s, by the way. Friday 64, Mm -hmm. uh, Sunday 64. So, I I think St. Andrews is a masterpiece. Sam, you had some complaints throughout the week. (laughs) I didn't like it. I thought that St. Andrews was a little bit of a pitch and putt for a major. To me, St. Andrews, you can look at it, whether it's it's terrible or outdated. I think that's kind of semantics. But to me, I didn't like the fact that Cam Smith finally put a little pressure on Rory. And guess what? It's another drivable par four. I brought that up earlier. But but Cam was putting de- pressure on him because he was birdying drivable par fours. I understand. So, but but I my mean, point my point here is I don't like the fact that all Rory had to do was hit a driver up next to the green and get it up and down. And he didn't do it. That's what Cam was doing. Well, he didn't do it, which makes it more of a choke by Rory. But I don't think that great play makes the course great. Right? It was great play by Cam Smith. But to me, I don't think that that just makes it, you know, makes it a great course nowadays. Obviously, the history of St. Andrews is awesome. But the way St. Andrews played, and, and I know that it's landlocked, T-Dub, I know that it's landlocked, and I know that they can't do much about it, but if anything, you don't have to think it, think that it's terrible, but it's definitely outdated, right? Well, it's, you know, the way I look at it, guys, is, is that w- would I want to have a, a tournament here? Would I want to have, yeah, would I want golf to play this way every single week? And the answer is no. It's, it's definitely a unique test to the game, but I will say this, though, because I think uh, I think the Hunt man made a good point yesterday on the radio show. It's just that 
there there just wasn't the weather conditions just were not were not set up for for St Andrews to play the way it was intended. You know, an example would be like the 2020 um, Masters, where it's like the course was so much softer, played so much different. Well, that's not really how Augusta was intended to be played, and I think it's very similar to this week at St Andrews because yes, the fairways were hurt, were hard and fast, but the greens really weren't. As, even as firm as I thought that they should have been. Obviously, the wind didn't blow near as much. They always have the green speed run extremely slow. So a lot of a lot of putts came up short. So and I think for me, one of the things that I wanted to see a lot more happen was I wanted to see a lot more kind of create creative shots around the greens. I wanted to see bumping runs with seven irons with five irons. And you know, it seemed like that that the the, the fairways were honestly rolling faster than the greens were. Tiger even mentioned that in mm-hmm. his press conference. So everyone was just going out there taking putters. So I think that. There, there were some things that could have been set up a little differently by the RNA, but I think the main thing that would have helped the tournament this week, uh, guys, is if it just had a little bit more weather because I think besides a, a three-hour stretch on Thursday or Friday, whatever it was, that there was not – the wind didn't blow up more than 10 miles an hour, and that's so rare for an open. But that but we even called it, though, before the week. If, if, there, if the weather stays how it's supposed to, there's going to be record-breaking scores this week. So I think we kind of called it how it was. It's just some things could have been better. But at the end of the day, the leaderboard was absolutely fantastic, which is something that we talked about all great golf courses. Usually the greats go to the top, and that definitely happened this week. So you add the tradition to it, and like I said, I'm actually decently in favor of the golf course. So I'm definitely leaning a little bit more towards Colby than Sam in this in this debate. Where do you stand on this, Woody? Of course, having played there, so I, 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 I agree – but I see both sides of the coin. The, the golf course did not play like it was supposed to. It's not like St. Andrews is supposed to play. Um, and and weather, you just can't 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 predict. I mean, that's why it's called weather. So if we'd have gotten some wind, if we'd gotten with those dry conditions and wind, it would have been a different game. If it was a little uh, more wet over there leading up to it, it would have been a little different. Uh, you know, the bottom line is what you just said, T-Dub. We had a good – we had a good field, a great field. The leaderboard was unbelievable. You had both. You had guys that could bomb it, and you had guys with good short games. Uh, it just so happens the guy with the best flight stick ended up winning. He out, outlasted the bombers. So day in, day out, would I like golf like that? I agree with Sam. No, I don't want to see that every day. Uh, that's boring. Uh, I don't want him driving every green. But uh, it was a British Open or an Open championship like very few, and we said at the start, I said it might get to 20 under. Little did I know, I called it right on the number. I should have made a bet. Uh, oh, no, I shouldn't because I never do good when I do. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm kind of torn simply because I like the history of it. It's not something I'd like to see every week, but I, I, I thought it was still fun to watch the golf tournament. That's all that matters to me. But, guys, to me – the RNA set up the pins about as hard as they could possibly set them up. And if they even had some weather, I still think the course would have looked outdated to us because the pins would have been a little easier. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know what more to say than I disagree. I love St. Andrews. Uh, I, I think that, you know, the drivable par fours, you still have to put the ball in good positions. I mean, Rory and Hovland yesterday weren't putting it in good positions. They weren't making birdies. Uh, 14, you know, that, that green has a massive slope right there in the front. You just, you can't come up short with your second shot into 14. You can't go left with your second shot into 14. It's, yeah, it, it's short, but also, I mean, tee shots are running out 80, 90, but sometimes 100 yards depending on where they land them. It's just, it, it was firm and fast, and yeah, no, I, I thought that it played 
very unique because of all the weather conditions. Uh, but I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I guess just to me in a major championship, regardless of how the course should play or a British open, I would like to see all facets of the game tested. And I can't remember a guy hitting more than a seven iron into a green. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I just, to me, not even on the hardest hole, not even on 17, almost kind of like Woody said, like as a one-off, I thought it was really fun. Cause you know, we get so used to just watching guys hit driver and then they hit eight iron and then they hit driver and then they hit seven iron. And it's just the same hole. Yeah, but you get used to it because that's how it should be in a major, how it should be, or just how it normally is. I, I mean, once you go over to Scotland for the open, I think what it should be kind of gets thrown out the window. We, I mean, last year we had, um, what, what was Royal St. George? Georges, mm-hmm. where it was soft, right? I mean, right. it had rained, it was soft, and Colin Morikawa was just, you know, it was target practice for Colin Morikawa. He won at 15 under, I think, so it was still five shots uh, five shots back of what Cam Smith won at, but it was very different because it was soft, so it was a lot more, okay, drive eight iron, stuff like that. I don't know, it was just whenever you play the Open Championship, I think some years you're just going to get a baked-out golf course, uh, and I think it's fun to watch. That's fair, and... When they go back to St. Andrews, I would like to see somehow, I don't know if they can do this when it's as firm and as fast as it was, but the fairways are so big there that they have to make that heather and the native grass a little bit more penalizing, right? When you miss one of those giant fairways, it has to be more of a penalty to me. I I, I agree 100%, Sam. That's even one thing that, that I was watching during the tournament. That's one thing I agree. I think the RNA could have done better at like on hole 15 in particular, it seemed like everyone was just pumping it in, into that left vest yeah. because they didn't want to hit it out of bounds right and get over there. And it's pretty light. Uh, or, or Cam Smith on, on, I think it was 15 or maybe it was 16. I'm thinking of where it was hitting it left. But on, on 15, I remember in particular because uh, it was the first hole after Cam had made his five straight birdies, hits it over to the right and looks like he's kind of in a little bit of fescue there. But he has a pretty pretty easy lie there. So I completely agree with Sam. I think there need to be a little bit more more penalty for missing a shot. But I, I will say this. Just looking at some of the other courses that, that Majors have held on, Colby already brought up, Royal St. George's. But with the exception of maybe Carnoustie, I mean, you look at Liverpool, you look at Muirfield, uh, Royal Lipton, St. Anne's, um, even Turnberry in a sense. We haven't seen it in a while. But I just I, I think that a lot of these open courses are in the, are in the same boat because it's just the way that they're played, and, and with the slower greens, you know, it, it doesn't make it as penalizing for when the wind blows and stuff like that. So I feel like that St. Andrews isn't the – if we're going to have this discussion, St. Andrews can't be the only course that goes into it because with the exception of a handful of open courses, I think everyone is in the same boat. But, T-Dub, what would you do going back next time to make it less outdated? Do you have to move some of the bunkers up? What do you have to do to make sure that this doesn't happen again? If the wind had blown at any point from any direction more than about 15 miles an hour, which is a pretty standard for Scotland, the bunkers would have been in place. So, and I don't know, Sam, it's just... Hold on, Taylor. We're losing you for just a second. We're losing you for just a second, Taylor. We're going to try to get your connection back. Uh, I I will say, going back to what y'all said about the the heather and the taller rough not being as penalizing, I think that's also partially because of the lack of rain. I mean, that stuff just hasn't grown. I I figured, but even with the wind... it's just all baked out. Even with the wind, I still think in the modern day they're taking some of those bunkers out of play that 
should be in play. Like on number 12, obviously, yeah. you know, it used to be lay up short of the bunkers or try to get up in between them. And now it's just take them over them and, you know, chip onto the green. Yeah, I or think. Put onto the green. I don't know. I just, I feel like a lot of this is a referendum on the weather more so than the golf course. I, I don't know. I just, I, I, we're just kind of on different sides. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the golf course. Taylor, let's see if we've got you back now with a little bit better connection. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of in the boat of while I, I think that because of his previous comments, Jack Nicholas saying this statement is pretty hypocritical, but I, I agree I agree with it nevertheless. So he said they may shoot low, so what? That's sort of the way I look at it. They're, they're shooting low now compared to what they did 100 years ago, but times change and golfers get better, equipment gets better, conditions get better, That's so they shoot low scores. But I don't really think it makes a whole lot of difference, frankly. So, I, I mean, this is the guy who wants to dial the, the ball back like no other, bigger than anyone in the world, but he's literally just said that comment about St. Andrews. So I don't know how that doesn't change in any other course, but I just think that way because it's a test to show how golf has changed over the, the 200 years or since ninth, or since the 1400s when the course was built. So, in, in 50 years, we may have guys shooting 30, 35 under there. But to me, it doesn't matter because it's the home of golf, and I think that there are things about the course that test your game uh, no matter if it's uh, 2022 or 1922. Yeah, no, I think St. Andrews, again, I loved it. I loved every second of it. It's Would I want to watch St. Andrews 52 times a year? No, but that's what makes it special, right? I mean, they only go over there. We Every year we pretty much watch the Scottish, which isn't the Renaissance Club, which isn't necessarily a true Lynx uh, at this point. And then we watch the, the Open Championship. course, by the way. That's a hard course. The Renaissance Club? Yeah. Yes, it absolutely is. So, uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed St. Andrews. Uh, let's talk a little bit of Tiger, shall we? Yeah. Tiger comes out Thursday. So much hope. Just not necessarily that he's going to win, but he's made the cut in two majors already. His body seems to be feeling a little bit better. St. Andrews, first hole he's in a divot. He, he throws it way up in the air, and the wind grabs it instead of just throwing it to the back fringe. He makes double, makes another double. He's like six over through seven. Everything's going. It was just such a bad start. There was no way he could come back from just the disaster of a start. And I don't know. It was just it was a snowball effect. It's like one thing went wrong, and then just everything started piling on. And to me, it didn't look like the injuries were the main reason why he was playing bad. Even Tiger said it didn't feel like I was hitting it that bad. To me, it looked like a guy that hasn't really played competitive golf in a year. And, and his short game's terrible. And his short game, he's almost DFL in every short game statistic uh, when he does play. To me, Tiger should you know, hang it up until he is able to at least play one preparation tournament before a major. I don't see Tiger ever contending again in a major unless he is able to play preparation events because it, it, there's just such a big difference, T-Dub, between competitive golf and, you know, practice, and it, it, you just can't replicate it. I don't care if you are Tiger Woods. I I, I definitely agree with, with the fact of he, he needs to take time off for sure. I, I, I've been on the boat of I think that the only reason that he played uh, the, the majors this year was because of where the courses were with it being at the home of golf St. Andrews and then the PJ being at Southern Hills where he had won before I think I think had a lot to do with it but you know one of the things that I keep looking back on because you guys are absolutely right about the short game in particular the putter I, I'm gonna say this I can't believe I'm saying this but he played a lot of his career with a different putter besides Scotty Cameron I think he needs to go with that way for a little bit because whatever it is he doesn't have the same mojo that he had with it his stroke doesn't look anywhere near the same as it used to. So I think he needs to make a little bit of a switch there. Maybe try some sort of mallet. The claw. Just try to get things going. <laughs> Could you imagine? The claw, t <laughs> No, he's too much oh, of a... Oh, dude, I would literally faint if I saw well, that happen. Or if, the claw even if he went left-hand low, it would be... 
He's too big of a ridiculous. proponent on releasing the putter face, so yeah. he would never do yeah, that. Yeah, true. Yeah. No, it'd be hilarious, though, no. if, he, if he did go to the claw. But I agree, Taylor. He, he needs to try something different because, I mean, he's standing over. And even on but Thursday, the, he, he puts it in the burn out of the divot, <laughs> and then he hits a beautiful little chip shot yeah. up to three feet. Yeah. And, I mean, this putt was right center, and he started at a ball outside the left. It was so bad. But what he, the main reason, right, is because he's not able to practice like he needs to, right? Well, I think, uh, to me, I think you're exactly right. I, I always remember that I can relate a little bit because I would qualify for the the Champions Tour, the PGA, the senior PGA. I, I, I got in it, I think, five times. It was always in May. And the problem was there was nothing as a club pro because by most of the time then I was a club pro, I didn't have anything to play in. And and so leading up to it, you hit the nail on the head, Sam. I hadn't played any competitive golf. And then all of a sudden, I put the tee in the ground, and it's a major. And I'm like, well, I'm not very well prepared here, and I, I, and I wasn't. So I, I got to agree with all what you guys are saying. Uh, he, he must play at least some golf before he plays in a major. I don't even think one tournament's enough, Sam. I think he's going to have to play three four type of golf tournaments before a major. Now, he doesn't have to do them right in a row, but he's got to do a, a little bit more prep. And in, until he does that, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a ceremonial golfer, and I just don't see Tiger Woods as a ceremonial golfer, guys. I'm sorry. That just doesn't seem like his forte. And, well, Col- and go ahead. And also here, real quick, real quick, Sam, I just want to throw out there that the main thing that Tiger's been best at and he's the best of all time at is his iron play. And ever since he made his comeback back at the start of twenty eighteen, I- I've counted only four events in that span. He played about thirty five of them. That that he lost strokes uh, approach to green. In in the year of twenty twenty, he played was that eight events or nine events of uh, the COVID year. And the least amount of approach to green he had was 0.44 strokes gained. And this last week, he lost 1.81 strokes approach to green. So it's not only his putter that's bad, but the number one, the two things that Tiger could rely on in his, in his career were his iron play and the fact that he would make a putt when he needed to make it. And both of those things right now are gone. So for him to start contending, he's going to have to get at least one of those back to an elite level, if not both of them. And as much as I want it to happen, I'm never going to doubt the man again. But it's really hard for me to see that that's going to happen. Yeah, and Colby, last point on this. To Woody's point, yes, he needs to play before these major championships. I was even on with Traver, and I rarely agree with Traver's Tiger takes, but he was basically saying the five weeks headed up to a major, he needs to at least play twice. Well, my question to you is, is he even physically capable of doing that? Right now, no. Right now, no. He says, you know, every time he gets asked about his leg, it's like, you know, can I get stronger? Sure, but this is just kind of going to be my reality. And that just doesn't give us any insight. Like, how much stronger is he a year from now? Two years from now? If he gets photographed without that leg sleeve, does it look Oof. like his calf is inside out a year from now? I don't know how much that muscle can be rebuilt. Did it totally atrophy in those three months he was in the hospital bed? Is it because of the hardware that he has in there? I have no idea. But that picture that we saw of his leg made me so much less optimistic about the future because his calf is basically inside out. It's so, so no, I, I don't have the confidence that he'll be able to play at any point. You know, he says never a full schedule. 
if he were to play one tournament two weeks before every major, yep. that'd be eight tournaments a year. I do not have the confidence that physically he will be able to play eight tournaments in a single season again. And I mean, even when he was healthy, eight out of the last 18 years, he's played only more than 15 events. Yeah. And so that means that the majority of the years, he didn't even play, you know, 15, which means that, you know, he would basically be ha- having to play, you know, three-fourths of what he did when he was healthy, right? To just do what you just said. Yeah. And yeah. so to me, all that being said, guys, I don't think this is the last time we'll see Tiger at St. Andrews. No, I don't either because it's got to be back there before like 2030, I would think. You know, it's been there, what, every five years pretty much on average, and then there were seven years in between here. So, And they, by the way, they moved the British Open up for Jack Nicholas to play in it one more time. So if it, they do say it's 2030, you know, right now, they could move it up to 2027. Yeah, Because exactly. it hasn't been set yet. Yep. It's not like the U.S. Open where it's set for years upon years. USGA says that venue's like 25 years out. Yeah. The Open is set through 2026, yeah. which is very different. So, Taylor, I, I know, I think you and I are kind of on the same track here. Friday afternoon, Friday morning, whatever it was, watching Tiger come across the Swilkin Bridge and everything, it was very cool. But the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, we're, we're just going to be doing this again in five years, yeah. and maybe we won't be, and that's why you do the whole ceremonial well, I, thing. I don't even think Tiger knows if he will, for sure. Probably not. Probably not, but I don't know, Tyler. Absolutely not, no. I, I was watching the ceremonies on Friday, and I was thinking to myself, man, this is really cool. And I was also thinking to myself, we're going to be doing this again in five years. Is that kind of what you were thinking? It, it, to me, guys, it, it was definitely a, a warm-hearted welcome and a, a goodbye, however you want to phrase it. But, no, it, it did not feel like the end, though. I, I think that he will be back there. You know, just looking at the future sites listed, um, 2023 next year is going to be at Liverpool. Um, 2024 is going to be at Royal Troon, where Stinson won. And then 20, 2025 is going to be at Royal Port Rush. So, as far as I've seen here, I don't see anything past 2025 that's scheduled. So, they may be able to get something in there because, like, like you guys mentioned, the U.S. Open is so far out that, that we know where that's going to be until 2050. But, but yeah, it, it just to me, it just felt like a, a hey, thank you for, for coming to play our tournament at the home of golf because 12 months ago or how long ago, no one has even thought that he would have been able to do this. I damn sure did. So to me, it was, it was sort of like how I was at Southern Hills where it was just like so thankful to, to be able to watch him. And that's what I felt from the fans. It, it did not feel any – because I remember watching it live uh, – Jack finishing in 2005, making the birdie. That had an entirely different feel than, than what Friday afternoon did. So, yes, as, as great as it was, it didn't feel like the end. That's because I firmly believe that it isn't going to be the end. Yeah, and just to piggyback off that, Colby, and to kind of end this, to me, it, it was very telling that he kind of strided over that bridge like he did. He didn't stop for pictures, really. Right. No, it wasn't. And, and yes, I think he, the he tears, got choked up from the, by tears the crowd. Were the crowd, you know, coming, you know, to support him. You know what I mean? Like it, he, it he wasn't, felt the love. I don't think it was him thinking about all the. He said that it was great memories, but I don't think he was like, "This is the end." No, I agree because yes, I think it got to him. St. Andrews has been a very special place for him. It's where he, he clinched the career Grand Slam in 2000. He won there again in, in 2005. It's been a special place to him, and I think those people giving him that ovation got to him a little yeah. bit, but. No, I, he didn't stop on the bridge, any stuff like that. Uh, if you want to play some great golf, you need to get out to Oak Tree on August 29th for the End Alzheimer's Tournament. End ALZ, hashtag End ALZ, August 29th, Oak, Oak Tree Country Club. Shotgun start, 9 o'clock that morning. You get breakfast, you get lunch. It'll be a great time benefiting a great 
caused. Uh, you can hit up Tyler Marks, 405-205-0662, 405-205-0662 to get your spot in the hashtag end ALZ tournament, August 29th, the Oak Tree Country Club, fighting to end Alzheimer's. Uh, all right, let's move on, talk a little live rumors. Uh, yesterday, Cameron Smith, you know, you're going to get asked. Cameron Smith gets asked in the uh, post-tournament press conference about live. He goes, uh, I just won the British Open, and you're asking me that question. I think that's pretty not good, mate. <laughs> and uh, then he asked it again. And then he, and then he the, 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 the reporter, reporter asked it again. He sounded like he was local. He sounded like a British guy. Yeah. He said, uh, or I guess, British media. I guess British in Scotland's not local. Whatever. I should have said that. That's, a, that's an insult to the Scots, probably, <laughs> for me to call the British guy local. Uh, but no, then he asked it again. He's like, no, I understand you don't want to answer it, but I'm going to follow up. Uh, are you going? <laughs> and uh, he goes, I don't know, mate. My team handles all that stuff. Just here to win golf tournaments. So he shut down the question, but he certainly didn't shut down the rumors. Yeah. So uh, there was also a tweet last night from my think it was a golf.com writer that said he saw cam smith on the way out and asked when we when everybody would see him again and cam smith said the fedex cup playoffs which start in four weeks you got three pga tournaments and then memphis is the fourth week coming up uh so sam you're kind of our our resident live guy well thoughts on on cam's comments and uh if he'll go and when we might see him go i mean there's big rumors this morning you know on Twitter, I mean, you can just search Cam Smith live, and it's $90 million is what the big rumor is right now. The price By the went way, up yesterday. you just won the players in the open. If he goes for $90 million, he's kind of a chump. Well, I, I hope for Cam Smith's sake that he didn't already sign. Before he won Before the Open. Before he won the Open. Yeah. No, that's a good point. If he already signed, then they got him on the because budget. Because I think he's going for sure. But I don't... As the reigning players and Open Championship... Because remember, players is the PGA Tour's flagship event. So if you were to take the reigning champion away from the players next year <laughs> and you get the Open Champion, that's worth way more than $90 million. And T-Dub... I tweeted this out before the podcast this morning. I said, uh, not not Xander, but Cam is just the tip of the iceberg. There's big rumors about Xander and Cantlay that they could be a package deal heading to live. You know, the rumors are $50 million each for them. There's rumors surrounding that. That There's big rumors about Henrik Stinson being the Ryder Cup captain heading to live. I mean, guys, Cam Smith is just the tip of the iceberg, and Take the players out of it, like not the players' championship, but take the players themselves out of it. Good clarification. Well, we were just talking about the players. No, yes, good clarification. (laughs) Anyways, T-Dub, I think the big news is going to come when we see sponsors start to invest in Live, and I think that that's going to happen between now and the Masters, and we're going to see a continuous growth from Live week after week after week, and it's going to be a slow burn. And by the time we get to Augusta National, I feel like, you know, obviously we're all looking towards official world golf ranking right now. I don't see a way in the world that the Masters is going to keep these live guys from playing in Augusta. And I think that, you know, there's already some rumors about arbitrary, you know, stuff between like where Pelly and Monahan won't be able to vote. Uh, on official world golf ranking anymore. It's very, very interesting stuff, T-Dub, and, and just kind of take that where you want to take it. But I think that this Cam Smith rumor is just the tip of the iceberg in this whole deal. I completely agree with, with the fact that it definitely is uh, the tip of the iceberg. Look, looking at some of the other guys this morning here kind of in that same boat, uh, Tommy Fleetwood was thrown in that mix, but I guess just a little bit ago his wife or manager or whatever came out and said, 
he wasn't going to be in it. But some of the other guys rumored are, are Mark Leishman, Bubba Watson, um, Henry Stinson has already been confirmed, which is or pretty much confirmed, I believe. But did so Bubba, did Bubba play that, Portland? I thought Bubba played Portland. Or did he not? No, Bubba, no. The rumor, what no. I heard on Bubba, and this is just a rumor, is that Bubba was committed and then backed out and then tried to come back to live after the first live event in London and Liv told him no. Okay, go ahead, Tyler. I just, I got confused because for some reason Bubba was in that initial promo video and I thought he was already a live guy. Go ahead. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where there's so many rumors, it's hard to keep track of what's real and, and what's not or what's official. So you got Bubba Hideki's in that list, which would be absolutely astronomical because we talked about how much him winning the Masters would affect the market of Japan, and, and it would even continue to go that way. Mark Leishman, I mentioned earlier, and even Tony Fina is it, has been in some articles as well. So Adam Scott, it, it, it's going to be extreme. Yep. Go, go ahead, Sam. Adam Scott, I mean, was is rumored right now to be on Cam Smith's team if they ever create an Australian team. So it's literally if 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 the lifter was able to get half of the guys that we just said. It, it would be it would change golf forever, and if they get all of these people, and probably there's going to be more that we haven't even thought of that that are just going to come out of the blue. So it's it, it, it's it's def, golf is going to definitely be entirely different. It's it's going to be interesting to see if any of these guys decide to go play live Portland instead of playing the FedEx Cup uh, playoffs, because I guess technically they would just have to incentivize them to pay more than they would get uh, for playing the playoffs, which which for live I guess wouldn't be that much money. So because that would be an ultimate stickum. Uh, the PJ Tour strip them from their players playing in their playoffs right before they happen. So there's so many moving parts here. I expect this next week to be extremely filled. Um, maybe some news over the next couple weeks between that, but especially after the Tour Championship, I think it's going to be when the floodgates happen because that's when most of the live events are technically happening, which is going to be when the PJ Tour has their fall season. So I think there's going to be a, a mass exodus of players leave during that stretch. And then, like Sam was mentioning too, with the sponsor system stuff, I think once the live, because I think live will continue to have what they have so far this year with the no commercials and on YouTube and just kind of the accessibility, depending on how you look at it, to stream it because they want to capitalize on that being one of the things that's better than the PGA Tour. So I, I expect those sponsorship things and all that stuff to, to take place after the season starts or maybe towards the end of it, maybe get some news and rumors out there. So over the next six months, guys, like Sam mentioned, going up to the Masters. It's going to completely change how we look at golf for the rest for the rest of our lives, in particular, our, our child, our kids' lives, everything like that. The, the way that golf goes is going to be so different. And for me, I think that it can personally all be for the better. But if the tour tries tries to be big stick and tries to do things that that are exiled against, but I think that the the rules and the official rule of golf ranks are going to take all that away from. So I personally think it'll be a good thing down the road. But it's going to be so good, especially for our job over the next few months because it is going to be incredible the amount of players and the amount of money we hear thrown around for these guys to go over there for Yeah, I think, Taylor, whenever you're saying, you know, more so after the Tour Championship, I completely agree with that because let me ask you this, Woody. Cam Smith right now, he's number two on the FedEx Cup list. The Saudis are throwing out a lot of money. Guess what? Saudis are still going to throw money at Cameron Smith in September. Why wouldn't he go try to win another, I mean, I don't know, you play three playoff events, couple good finishes, maybe you win the Tour Championship. Cam Smith could win another $20 million in three weeks on the PGA Tour and still get his Saudi money, so I, I do... Or could he? I, would Saudi nix that? No, no way. No way they would tell the reigning Open and Players' Champion. And if he won the FedEx, they'd give him more money because then they'd be taking the PGA to me, Tour's if I'm guy. Sa- to me, if I'm Liv, I would say, you're not going to go play the FedEx Cup. We'll give you even extra money than what you would make if you even won. Maybe they do that. I don't know, Woody. I, I think he'll play the like FedEx Cup. like $25 million. 
I think he'll play the FedEx guys, Cup, Woody. You guys are you're bringing up some great points, and I think what's what's really fun about this, in a way, I wish we had a crystal ball where we could see the future. We we pretty much know the live says they're not going to go above 48 players. They're not going to go that because they want their team thing. The team thing means a lot to live. So if they're only going to have 48 players, well, we still got to have another two. Right, guys? I mean, there's 48 players isn't enough guys. Okay? So we got to figure this thing out. Not we. They do. They got to figure out how they're going to get along. How are we going to have enough golf that everybody's still happy with the amount of golf we have? And how do we get these guys the most money we can possibly get them? I don't think it's cut in stone yet. And so I'm probably wrong. I'm wrong most of the time on this live. Uh, but how about we just watch and see what happens the next few months and then the start of next year. But I'd love to hear what you guys think. How's this all going to unfold? How's this going to work where everybody gets their pie and is happy in the same room? And, Woody, I'm about to answer that question, what I think. And, and T-Dub, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. When I mention sponsors, this is how Saudi is going to get some of their money back because <clears throat> certain sponsors are in bed with Saudi Arabia right now financially take golf out of the equation. But certain sponsors that – help out the PGA Tour, that are title sponsors for the PGA Tour. What is keeping Saudi Arabia from saying, the, what is the keeping the Saudi Arabian government from saying, look, we're going to pull our financial agreement in just regular business unless you, you know, take your PGA Tour sponsorship and put it towards live. Sponsor a team. I'm sure they're selling the teams. It's They're using a F1 or, or NFL-type model on these teams. They're obviously trying to sell these teams for millions or even billions of dollars. And obviously, I think they will have some sort of TV contract. I think that they do have a plan in all of this to where they're just not you know, dealing out this money without any you know expectation of a return and I think that once you see one sponsor go and it'll have to be a big sponsor right where you know they can take the PR hit and people still have to use their product right and so to me I think in the end or, or not the end but once we get to the masters I think that we could see more growth on the live based on the sponsors that we see partner with live and that's, that's definitely a, a key component to all of this because, you know, we've talked about before in the past, you know, what, what's kind of the difference between it being, you know, run by a, a country's government essentially and being just, you know, some other rich people. And I think that's one of the, the big examples there because, yes, a, a, a rich person like Elon Musk is going to have a lot of pull and can do a lot of powerful things, but, but it's really hard to have that much more power over an entire country. So that's definitely going to be something that comes to play. I, I think that, you know, to answer Woody's question about how that they can they can coexist and everyone have their pie, I mean, I think it's fairly simple. In all honesty, I don't think we've got to overthink this. It's let the live guys do their thing, and let the PGA Tour do their thing. I mean, there's but the PGA Tiger, Tour is the not going to do that. Made, well, that's that's one of the reasons that's going to hurt them, and that's that's why you can't have it because look, look, the Tiger effect is one of the reasons why the purse increases so much as they did, right? So, what's going to happen if? Not only do you have guys going to the live that, that, that would be 
draw more advertising dollars to your PJ Tour events. And, you know, we, we talked about, obviously, Tiger's health earlier in the show, and, you know, the, the, the chances of him playing in very many PJ Tour events going forward is almost slim to none. I mean, he may play a, a couple to lead up to majors, but it's not going to be anything in particular. So the point I bring that up is that the, the PJ Tour isn't going to be able to sell their TV rights for as much as they want to. And I know they signed an extension through 2030 or whatever, so it'll be a while, but it's going to come to a point to where, that the PJ Tour, even though they're sitting on all this money, they're not going to be able to or want to give out as much money in purses as, as they are now. So they're definitely digging themselves a hole, and they're digging themselves a hole even further the way that they go. So, you know, there's so many moving parts to this situation. It's going to be extremely, extremely interesting to see how it all plays out. But uh, I think that it would be very easy for, for both tours to coexist and be happy and, and make golf better, but the PJ Tour is going to be stubborn wanting to be the monopoly and not allow it to happen. So like I said, a lot of moving parts to it. I think the PJ Tour at the end of the day will probably dig their grave a lot deeper than it would have been had they just let things play out. And Colby, let me ask you, I mean, because I am of the camp that, and this is pure speculation, but I am of the camp that I think the PGA Tour has to be paying Rory and JT big money under the table right now to, you know, if they lost Rory or JT, the PGA Tour would be done at this point. It, it would be. I, but I don't know. I don't think that those guys. I don't think it's as much financial motivation for those guys. Okay. I, I just don't. I, let me ask you this too. I had a thought, and this just popped into my head. This is a thought I had like two weeks ago because I was thinking about. You know, there were a lot of rumors with Ricky that fired up, right? Yeah. But you know, Tiger comes out. Tiger makes his comments last week, and Tiger's all buddy buddies with Rory and with JT. Tiger's also really good friends with Ricky. Tiger also kind of made it known last week at the Open Championship that he's lost respect for anyone who goes live, right? Yeah. I mean, he kind of made that known. You think there's any part of Ricky that hasn't gone live because you know Tiger's in his ear and and he's buddies with Tiger and Tiger's the tour guy? I mean. I don't. That's just literally a thought I had pop into my head that I'm like, I wonder if Ricky's not going because he's buddies with Tiger, and Tiger's pretty much made it known like he's not here for any of these live defectors. You know, literally I, just a random thought look, in my head. Look, I'll tell you things off there because I just know rumors and speculation on what happened. But to me, just you know, face value, right? To me, it wasn't an easy. It was an easy math problem. I mean, you're gonna make you know, a certain amount with live and you also make a certain amount guaranteed on endorsements. So to me, I think that why take the PR hit if you're Ricky? Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I do think that Tiger's words still carry some weight to some of those guys. I don't know, for, for Rory and JT, just with everything they've said, I think to them it's just more about history than it is about money because, you know, there are some guys who are like, yes, I want that extra hundred million to set my family up forever. I think that there are also some guys like Rory and JT who are like, hey, I already have enough money for yep. my family to be good forever. I don't really need more. I'm just going to kick it over Fair here. Enough. You know what I mean? Fair enough. I was just going to say, you know, two extra points to that is, like, Rory, we were talking about this a hundred times. He signed his $200 million contract with Nike. And he's got a lot more than that. So money really isn't his most incentivator. And then one thing about Justin Thomas, I don't hear a lot of people mention, his dad's been a longtime member of the PGA of America, which is just as against the, the live tour as the PJ tour is. So it's a huge element to it that we're not taking part, guys. Let me ask you guys this. What in the coming months, if they if Liv does get official world golf ranking, Colby, what is keeping Liv from signing huge NIL deals for kids coming out of high school? Uh I 
Yeah, I guess nothing really. And, and they could I'd... still go play in college, and then they wouldn't be banned until they play in a live event. So live could technically pay them nil dollars, and then take these kids out of college whenever you know they want them to, or whenever they think that they're able to fit in the top forty-eight, and then all of the sudden. The PGA Tour is done. That's why I think that it all comes down to official world golf ranking and the PGA Tour is holding on by a shoestring to guys like JT and Rory. See, I I think that... I think that y'all are overestimating a little bit the demise of the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour still has a lot of good systems in place. They've got the Corn Ferry Tour. They've got PGA Tour champions. It's a, it's a whole career tour. But that's my point, is, is guys in college wouldn't have to go to the Corn Ferry Tour. And, well, well, and but, so my next point that I was fixing to make, we have not been on the air since Martin Slumbers spoke last week. Martin Slumbers is the head of the RNA. He's also on the official World Golf Rankings board. I don't know if you listened to Martin Slumbers' press conference. I did not. Liv ain't getting no WGR points. That, I mean, Martin Slumbers was, he was as outspoken, anti-Liv as, as you can just me, about possibly be. But you're telling me if Cam Smith, the open champion, is playing in these events. You're not going to give official World Golf ranking points, and if the tournament that week, I don't care if it's 54 holes, if the tournament that week has double the strength of field of the PGA Tour event that week, how is it possible for an arbitrary investigator to look at that and with good conscience say, no, never mind, Liv shouldn't get official World Golf ranking points? Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't think they're getting them. I don't, and Taylor, you well, said this, and, you said it several weeks ago. I think ago it's that almost a done deal them. that they will. No, see, I think it's the opposite because the guys who are making the, the decision hate them. Taylor? No, but Monahan and Pelly well, aren't going to be able so, to vote. Slumbers is this. This is this is what's going to happen, guys. In my opinion, so the, the only way that the, the, the that they don't get world ranking points is like like they had mentioned on the golf channel and stuff. So you know, you have to have seventy two holes and you have to have a certain size of field. So. The only way they're not going to be able to get it is if they don't meet that a certain criteria because they can't meet every single criteria and then not get the points. That's just like, like Sam mentioned. That's going to be a, a, a logistical nightmare. But I will say this: this is what's going to happen if they don't get world ranking points. Because I did the math on this the other night talking uh, with some friends in a group text. So uh, Taylor Gooch last year played twenty eight tournaments, twenty eight. So if you so if you add this up, if he played last year, there'll be ten live events. So he plays ten live events plus the four majors. That's fourteen events. Let's just say that, that the Asian tour, who's already got a little bit of, of deal with the live and, and the studies, that kind of thing. What will happen is the Asian tour will start having events that draw these players into play every once in a while for those world ranking points because we've talked about this numerous times on the show too. Those Asian tour events for winning them have a set criteria points they have to give because it's one of the things that makes those tours better and more, more incentive for players to play on them. So if the live tour isn't going to be able to do it Guys will play an extra few Asian tour events because Taylor Gooch could play six. If he played six more Asian tour events, along with the schedule I just mentioned, that's 20 events. That would still be two more months off than he had last year. Or, yes, last year, whenever he played. So, yes, they may, everyone's talking about how, oh, well, these guys just don't want to play. They want to have an offseason. Well, if they want to end up getting those world ranking points, they may play a few Asian tour events. So, two things will happen. Either live events will get world ranking points, or there will be an outlet for the live players to make world ranking points because there's too many little tours that would just love and make so much more money off those guys came and played and get the world ranking points. So it, while the events may not get it themselves, the live players will have opportunities to get those points. All right, guys, we and guys, it's, it's official. Remember something. We have an official ahead, live remember, defector. Remember, 
do what? We have, an, we, we have an official live defector. News just broke five minutes ago. Any guesses? Uh-oh. Henrik Stenson. Yeah. Is that, I, I, I couldn't know that was official. I guess Stenson, yeah. David Faraday. Wow. David Faraday is leaving NBC and is expected to join Live Golf That's as an analyst. News. The New York Post has learned. That's unbelievable. That is pretty big wow. news. That it's certainly everybody's looking at Henrik and Fleetwood and you know yeah. Cam Smith and then Monday morning oh, boom Barkley. David Faraday. Wow. Yeah. How about that? How about that? So How about that? That's Jerry Foltz and David Faraday now that they've gotten from traditional golf broadcasts over to Live. So, yeah. I mean, well, be damned. it's going to go. be stories like that week after week. That's a big get. That's a big get. They've got and a bunch guys, of money. Though, Woody, what was the point you're making? Go ahead. I was going to tell but think about this. We're still only talking about 48 golfers. 48 golfers. But that's their model, that, by the way. That, that's. I know that's their model, and they're going to hold to it. They've said they're going to hold to it. 48 golfers is not enough golfers without – you have to have another tour, Okay. Yeah, you have to. You have to have. You have to have somehow the PGA and the DP World Tour and the. There's got to be enough golf tours that we can build to get the guys to the 48, so to speak. You, what you, you understand where I'm going? With no, that? I, yeah, I, I totally understand that. But I think from the Liv's perspective, clearly they have never said that they don't want their players to play on the PGA Tour. Their plan is to have their 48 guys, and each guy is signed to a team, right? And then if you aren't good enough to be on that team, you are now a free agent, and you can go play on the PGA Tour. And if they have official World Golf ranking points, then nothing is stopping them from – and clearly we're going to see this play out in court and everything. But their end game is for them to have the 48 guys and then – the free agents can go play on the PGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, the Asian Tour, whatever tour, the DP World Tour. They're going to have their 48 guys. They're going to have their four-man teams. And I think that that's what they like about it is that household names will be left off of the 48. That's that's what's cool. And that's why I say if it all comes down to one thing, and Colby, I think he even got to agree with this, the PGA Tour kind of has to get their hand, head out of the sand. They've got to be willing to understand this is change. They might not like it, but I don't think they can stop it. And if you can't stop something, then you got to learn to get along. And they need to maybe start thinking about ways to get along. That's all I believe in this deal. I, I think at this point, the PGA Tour still thinks that they will have a better product by by banning the guys who go because it will keep more guys on the PGA Tour. Now, if there's a mass exodus, right? If we see of the top 20 right. players in the world, if we end up with you know 15 of the top 20 in the world going to live, then the PGA Tour will start seriously rethinking. If it's a couple of guys... They might not start rethinking because then they might think, hey, what we're doing is working. Look, all we lost was Cam Smith, Patrick Cantlay, and Xander Schauffele. The rest of the top 20 are still ours. Then they might actually feel like that's a win. So I I think it might come to a point where the PGA Tour wakes up one day and says, okay, our our threats didn't work. Our bans didn't work. Now what do we do? But I don't think that they're at that point yet because they haven't lost enough guys. Sam, Colby, let me ask you this. I agree with that. If if you believe the, the rumor that this all started 
this is totally a rumor and speculation, but if it all started when the Saudi Arabian government came to the PGA Tour and wanted to take over their fall series and they couldn't come to an agreement on money, so the Saudis just said, all right, we'll start our own thing. Don't you think that this was all started by a disagreement on money and it would have been a lot easier for the PGA Tour to just accept this and better for the game of golf for the PGA Tour to just accept this and, and instead of playing hardball and, and all of this negative light that is shown, that is shining on the game of golf right now, I think it's all due to the PGA Tour, number one, just mostly just not caring about the growth of the game. That's And that's their main thing, right? Uh, I mean... They care about their bottom line. The, the PGA Tour has a ton. I mean, they've got so many tours under them. Here's my question. If we end up in a, in a world, a golf universe that exists, where Live Golf is the primary golf tour, let's say a decade from now, they have totally taken over PGA Tour ceases to exist. If PGA Tour ceases to exist, that means but Corn what, Ferry and Latino mean America... It would the PGA Tour would cease to exist. It would mean tur- tours like the Corn Ferry Tour might cease to exist. So, so then my question is... Like, does Liv care about golf enough that Liv is going to have minor league Liv? And, and they're going to have another minor That's league Liv under this? That's what college would be and if have, they sign these NIL deals. Yeah, I, there, I, there would be a tour to step up and do that, for sure. It, there's, too much, there's too much money to be had. Too I mean, many good players. Some of the mini tours, like the All-Pro Tour, I mean, just like one of these tours would step up and be that funnel to the PGA Tour just because there is a demand Liv. for it. Yeah. So. While while it while it would create a little bit of a logistical nightmare to some extent, I do think that there is so many more paths for that to happen. And I just want to say, Colby, I, I disagree with what you said about the PJ True thinks they have a better product because if they thought that way, they wouldn't be acting as, as bullish as they have been about guys leaving. They would have, like I mentioned, the philosophy of if you want to go, we'll be better from it. And they have not been like that for anyone that's left so far, not once. Well, I, I'm confused on your point there. Just just elaborate a little bit on that. I you threw me there. You, 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 mentioned, you mentioned earlier, Colby, you said that right now you think the PGA Tour has a better product than the Lyft, correct? Uh, I, I think I said that the PGA Tour feels like they're doing okay right now because they haven't because lost enough guys. Because you said that if there was a max exodus, then they would have... Uh, yeah, so right he, now you would oh, say you that, that the PGA Tour thinks that they have a better product, but they haven't acted like it. If they did, why would they not get so mad when these players leave? And one of the things that the PGA Tour was known for was not listing players when they got suspended. And the first thing that they did... When guys went and played the live, is they blatantly listed all the people who are suspended. I so think what T Dub is trying to say. I disagree with. They don't think they have a better product. They're chicken. The PJ Tour is chicken. What, what That's T- all I'm trying to say. What I disagree T-Dub with is, what Colby said. The PJ Tour doesn't think they have a better product. What T Dub is saying, you brought up the point of if they have 15 out of the top 20, then they'll start panicking a little bit. I think they're already panicking, and that's what his but point that's is. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. You think today in the PGA Tour offices they're panicking? Absolutely. But nothing that, new they were has panicking happened. Three months ago. What do you mean nothing new has happened? Uh, the, the, here's what the PGA Tour knows that they're going to lose some guys, and I think that they've kind of accepted it. I think they've kind of accepted it. I, I mean, think I don't that think they've it's, ju- they're just like, oh, it's fine. We're, we just lost Cam Smith today. Well, I mean, no, they're they're doing what they think is in the best interest of their tour, which is to suspend the guys who leave, but clearly to incentivize the, other guys to stay. But clearly, what would be in the best interest, not only of the game of golf, but the PGA Tour, would be to just 
stop all this madness and let these guys play where they want to play because they're going to go over there regardless. See, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because if you're the PGA Tour and you just let the guys go back and forth and do whatever they want, then all of a sudden you become third in the hierarchy of players making their schedules. They have to play all the live events because they're contracted to it. Live wants to have 14 a year. Then they're all going to play all four majors. So now you've got these guys playing 18 times a year. So then the best players in the world. But you're still going to have your, your certain PGA Tour guys like Rory and JT that'll play on the PGA Tour. Some of those guys, but a lot you, of guys would go do both and they would make the PGA Tour third in hierarchy when they're filling out their schedules. And the PGA Tour doesn't yeah, want to be third in hierarchy. but a lot of guys would go play the big PGA Tour events. Unless there was a live event that week. Because they'd be contractually exactly. obligated. But, why, but Liv isn't above, you know, putting these tournaments or putting their tournaments on weeks like the John Deere. I feel like if in the beginning, that's what I'm saying. In the beginning, if the PGA Tour would have stopped playing hardball and just said, look, we're going to coexist and Liv, you can have your tournaments on our bad weeks and... You know, the PGA Tour will have their big tournaments and Liv won't, you know, compete with them on that. Instead, the PGA Tour came out strongly against Liv and now they're in a bad spot for it. And now, yes, Liv might have tournaments during the big PGA Tour tournaments. And you know what? There's a bunch of big names that are going to be playing on Liv instead of the PGA Tour on tur- tournaments like the Memorial. All right, we're, we're, we're kind of rambling here. Tyler Woody, y'all got thoughts? Hop in here. Here's a question for us, okay? Now, it's hindsight and we'll never know. Let's back up 20 years. Would Tiger Woods have gone to live? What do y'all think? No, because, I don't think so. Because I think his sole focus in life was to break Sam Snead and Jack I'm saying no, because he got $40 on, million dollars that, to Nike. That was so, my no. biggest problem with what Tiger Woods said was, you know, oh, these guys need to dig it out of the dirt and, and not take the guaranteed money. What? Tiger was... The one person of all people with guaranteed money his entire career. And he earned it on the golf course. No, and he had guaranteed money and continued to work hard. What keeps other people from working hard when they have guaranteed money? You think Brooks Kepka's working hard? That's that's Kepka. DJ just finished yeah. fifth in the next major. DJ's a great player. DJ's one of the all-time greats. He's still going to be these, a good player. All of these guys, you think that they are not capable when they go to live to, to stop working hard. To uh, work hard. All of these guys? Oh. No. But I think a so handful what? of so them So Tiger gonna... is just talking to these guys like they're peons and acting like, oh, you guys took guaranteed money. You can't work hard. <laughs> Tiger had guaranteed Nike contracts for life. Tiger, and he worked harder than anybody else. Tiger's Tiger sole focus his the entire most life. critical comment I've ever heard Tiger Woods say in his life. Tiger's sole focus his entire life was to be the greatest golfer that ever played. But he also Most had guaranteed endorsement contracts that, that entire time. That's because he was dominating golf in a way that no one had ever dominated these guys, golf. These guys right now are getting live contracts because they are the best in the sport right now. That's why Wade Ormsby is out there, yes, because he's one of the all-time greats. Okay, well, when Cam Smith, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Dustin Johnson, all these guys go over there, I, I'm sorry, but that's not Wade Ormsby. Hop in here, Woody. Go I'm ahead, Tyler, just go ahead. Okay, so here, I've got a question for you, Colby. Okay, so Scotty Scheffler this year has made close to over $15 million he won the Masters. He has multiple years of PGA Tour status sewn up. He can play the Masters for the rest of his life. What is his motivation to get better? Uh, to continue to win PGA Tour events and to continue to win majors and to go down in history as one of the all-time greats. It's exactly what the Liv okay, guys Okay, so are why doing. is that any different for, for, for Dustin? 
Justin Johnson and these other guys that left? Just because they take a guaranteed paycheck that makes it different? It's because they are no longer playing on the same tour in the same events with all of the best players in the world chasing history. It's they they exchanged not all their the best place players in history in for a okay, big fat here, paycheck. Here, Colby, Colby, answer me this question. Besides Samson, Jack Nicholas, and uh, Tiger Woods, tell me how many PJ Tour wins a a legend has. Tell you how many PGA Tour wins a legend has? I think that's yeah. What he just, said. just tell me off the top of your head how many PGA Tour wins a legend has besides one of those three. Top of my head to be a legend, at twenty five maybe to be, that, to be a legend. That, that's my point. Is because you have to sit there and think about it because no one gives a shit about regular PGA Tour wins. No one cares. <laughs> they care about the majors. List off any any. Player, you Nick Faldo, six majors, Roy McIlroy, four majors, Tiger Woods, fifteen majors, Walter Hager. You can just list them off like that. But for PJ Tour wins, you can't because once again, no one cares about regular BS PJ Tour events. And the PJ Tour needs to realize we're we, we got the gist of your point there, but you started cutting out again. So then my response to that would be okay, like Cam Smith's in the majors for the next five years, Dustin Johnson, Bryson Shambo, Brooks Kepka. These guys are in the majors. What about guys who aren't in the majors? They're going to get official gone. World Golf ranking points. And then they will be. On the live tour? Yes. But, I mean, that's just speculation, though. You don't no, know that. No, you but don't you know don't know that, that they won't. But you don't know that they will, and you're just assuming that they will. I don't and know if they will you're assuming that they won't. We're saying the same thing, just maybe, from a different perspective. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but it's a huge risk for these guys, because if they don't, yes, it is. then now they don't play majors anymore. Correct. And, and now, and and now it would be ridiculous for these guys not to have official world golf ranking points when they're sa- when they're playing in the same tournaments week after week with guys like Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, and you know anyone else that is in the top five of the guys on the live tour. See, if you're playing 54 holes with no cut, 48 guys, that's not the OWGR PGA Tour to has already had. It, it, there has already been a precedent set that when a PGA Tour event gets cut to 54 holes, they still have official world golf ranking points. Yeah, they also had a full field. They had a cut. It was cut short because of weather, and it's a one-off. A it's not their field. model. Yes, they had a full field at the John Deere that would have been half the 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 strength of field as the live event. That yeah, and that was week. one of the tour's weakest events so of the year. Clearly, strength of field should take precedent over the number of holes they play. Yeah, not not in a fifty-four hole, forty-eight man exhibition. I, I it's don't. It's not agree an with exhibition. That. I don't it's agree not. with that. It's not. Hey, hey. Colby, is the Hero World Challenge an exhibition with only 20 people? Yes. They get official so world, golf ranking, world ranking points. I don't think it should. It didn't used to. Okay, but there's already a precedent that, said that it did. And, and again, though, number one, that's not a PGA Tour event, so we're arguing PGA Tour versus But we're that. arguing official PGA World Tour Golf event. ranking points. I don't think the Hero should get world ranking points. Okay. Well, then there's but already a precedent they set. Do, though. That's the precedent that's been set. They do, and I mean, I don't know. That's a one-off. It's still 72 holes. I don't know how much that matters to the committee. I, If I was on the committee, I wouldn't have voted for the hero to get world ranking points. So, I, yeah, I mean, Woody, hop as far in as that here, goes, I don't agree with it. Woody, hop in here with a closing thought. We'll get more into it in the in the coming weeks, I'm yeah, we sure. Yeah, we got to wrap this up before think, too long. I know, and I think we could argue about this guy forever. I mean, it's <laughs> it literally is true. Eventually, we start talking in circles. Yeah. Right, and, and until we really... Until we have a uh, kumbaya meeting, I think it's just going to be ugly. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. I think it's going to be ugly. This yeah. is like a divorce, boys. And until it, when it, when it, when you get a nasty divorce, there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse. Been there, done it. So uh, until you can just 
sit in a room and really talk with sense with each other until you really get to a point where you say, okay, this is the best interest for you, PGA Tour, for you, Liv. This is what we got to do. Until then, guys, it's going to just get ugly. That's what it's going to be. So get ready. Get your mutters on because it's just dirt flying, shit slinging. It's going to get uglier. It ain't going away. Closing thoughts, Tyler. Uh, uh, closing thoughts for the show or just on live? Uh, on live. On live, yeah. Um, I, I think that, like Woody said, we've got a long, long road ahead of us. It's going to be so interesting to see how it is. And I'm just thankful that we have someone as opinionated as Colby and Sam, and they're on both sides of the argument. Because I fit some, me and Woody kind of somewhere in between them, probably leaning more towards Sam. But I just love hearing the back and forth. Because if we had all four of us and we all agreed on this topic, it wouldn't be near as fun of a show. No I, doubt. I, I did uh, one of the shows I was off. I'm just, I'm busier these days, the baby and the job. One of the shows I was off, I got a direct message from somebody and they were like, how often are you going to be on? Because it's not as fun if there's nobody on the PGA side. Yeah, <laughs> no, I believe that. And by the way, I'm getting tweets asking if you and I still are like each other. We're just like, we're just <laughs> debating the golf. And it's hilarious. Colby and I are close friends, everybody. Yeah. Like we've been doing a podcast for two years. This is what you do. You, you, yeah. you, you form opinions about things. If you agree, you kind of talk about it. If you disagree, you kind of argue about them. 100%. So I, the reality is, guys, my closing thoughts on Liv is there's still so much unknown. Like, we're sitting here, we're trying to think about what this is going to look like in a year. What's it going to look like in five years and ten years? Man, I have no idea. I have no idea. Because I don't know exactly how many guys they're going to get. I don't know if they're going to get world ranking points. I just, there's a lot I don't know. The thing that I do know is that this moved very quickly. Yeah, and so we can see change very, very quickly. It's all going to come down. Uh, well, we'll see change very quickly until we hit the court system. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, so uh, let's do this. Let's hear from our good friends with Ring Family Dentistry. Go see them. Ring Family Dentistry. They go out of their way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible. Leading edge technology. They do it all. Implants, clear liner, orthodontics. They've got you covered. All decisions are made by the patient. If they can't show why treatment's needed, they won't prescribe it. They explain their opinion, answer any questions, but they ultimately leave all decisions to the patient. Go see our good friends at Ring Family Dentistry. By the way, I promise the people... Cam Smith said two beers fit in the claret jug. And he said he was going to have about 20 claret jugs. <laughs> so I would imagine Cam Smith had himself a pretty good time. All right, let's close the show this way, guys. I want everybody to rank just whatever you want to do. Most exciting, whatever you enjoyed the most. Rank the majors one through four. Let's start with you, Woody. Rank the majors this year in terms of how much you enjoyed them one through four. Well, because there were three first-time winners, I'm going to rank it the Masters. I really like that. I think the Open Championship was second in my book. Um, this is going to be bad because the PGA beat us But it was kind of my fourth favorite, believe it or not. Uh, I think Fitzpatrick's win at the Open was uh, U.S. Open was pretty cool, too. So that's how I'd rank them, the Masters, the British, the uh, U.S. Open, then PGA. Taylor, what do you think? One through four. So I'm going to go with number one, the PJ Championship, just because we were there all week. It's just so cool to see everyone out there, especially Tiger in person. Going to be one of my favorite tournaments I ever go to. <laughs> um, Open Championship no. isn't close to first, but it's definitely a way 
uh, way forward on second to me, watching Rory and Cam Smith. All right, looks like we might have lost Taylor. I think we dropped him. His uh, his connection was getting a little spotty there towards the, the air. We did hear one thing that he said. We we did hear one thing that he said. <laughs> I don't four think he was word. very happy. Four-letter word, golf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sam, top four majors, one through four. All right, so clearly I'm biased on this, Colby, but JT winning the PGA Pretty cool. w- was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I think I rank it like my top live sports-watching event in the history of Oklahoma. It was really cool. And so I, I got to rank that number one, but I'm biased. Um, to me, even though I didn't necessarily love the golf course, just the electricity of yesterday has to rank number two. History. Yeah. History. It, it, it really was. And, and I think that it's going to be one of those tournaments we look back on in 20 years and think that was a real revolutionary time in the game of golf. And so I think I ranked that number two. I'd put Fitzpatrick three just because at the U.S. Open, just because of the great shot out of the bunker. And, you know, obviously there wasn't as much drama with Scotty Scheffler winning the Masters. And it's not to take away from him. It was an unreal performance and an unreal stretch of golf. But it was a snoozer. But it was a snoozer at the end. Yeah. yeah, no, it was a snoozer. So that's it's, how I rank them. Uh, you know, everybody talks about how often Sam and I disagree. I've got the same list, one through yeah. four. It was I actually waffled on one and two between Southern or the Open. Yeah, because yesterday I think in terms of the history of golf, a Sunday sixty four for Cam Smith to win his first major. And I think if and, I wouldn't wouldn't have been there live, I would have ranked and, the and British Open one. I might have too because I'm. I think maybe the difference maker for me is uh, you know me and Tiger became yeah. pers- close, <laughs> close personal, personal friends, friends, friends yeah. that week at Southern. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I need to text him and see how he's doing. Actually, I haven't checked in. Okay. Make sure he got back on his slide okay. Um, but, yeah, so I think I – Air Tigre. Southern won the history yesterday with Cam Smith. Uh, I mean, look, people know I'm, I'm the PGA Tour guy. I'm the Rory guy. But I recognize great golf when I see it. Yeah. I, I recognize history when I see it, and that was history from Cam Smith yesterday. The putting performance on the back nine. And we talked about this yesterday on the rodeo. On the rodeo. The radio. <laughs> the the – mental fortitude and stability. He makes the big mental error on Saturday trying to hit it from waist high and hooking it into a gorse bush. I honestly forgot about that. And then That's on Sunday, wild. and then on Sunday, he has a chance to try to be a hero and take a bunch of loft and loft it up over the road hole bunker and try to spin it to a foot. He doesn't take that risky play that brings six into play. He instead puts it around the bunker to 10 feet. He knows he's going to drain the 10-footer. He does. I thought from an, a strategy standpoint and execution standpoint, it was a flawless performance from Cameron Smith yesterday. That's my two. Fitzy out of the bunker would be my three. Scotty was awesome. Scotty was also boring. Uh, so Masters would go four. One last thing I have to mention on Cam Smith since you brought it up and we didn't bring it up. I don't know how. I know he hit the bad second shot at 17, but that drive – Showed me oh, some real minerals from Cam so Smith. So good. Because driving's, driving's the weak part of this I was, game. I was waiting on the miss. Yeah. And it yeah. never came. Well, and it, the thing is, it never really came with the driver. He's so good with his irons. And the, the, course, the, the course allowed for it. He he did have a couple left misses. He, he did. He did. The course, it, it was good. Wide fairways uh, were beneficial for Cam Smith. But really, the worst swing he made all day was the second shot into 17. Yeah. And then he just displays absolute brilliance in overcoming that and still making par there. So that would be my one Absolutely. through four. Uh, great show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. GolfOklahoma.org. Go check them out. GolfOklahoma.org. You can follow us on Twitter at the 73rd hole, Instagram, 73rd hole.
By the way, no radio show this coming weekend. No radio show. All right, good stuff. Uh, thanks to T-Dub and Woody. We cut them loose as the uh, connection started to get a little loose. Great show. Appreciate everybody for listening once again to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.